Welcome, welcome everybody to another great episode of the Beyond Normal Podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Groom. I'm excited to have our next guest on. They're doing amazing things in the space uh, for folks uh, of color. When you want to know like how a company really treats their employees, uh, the next founder I'm bringing on, uh, Echo uh, Sonny Thomas, the founder of uh, Inside Voices. He's got a he's got a solution for all those job seekers out there who really want to know how companies treat their employees of color. So, without further ado, I want to bring uh, Echo to the stage and, and, and start this great dialogue. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Ascentum, which is an award-winning coaching practice that helps high-performing professionals advance and achieve the promotions and pay they deserve. Ascend to powerful heights with Ascentum. How's it going, Echo? Hey, Kenny. It's gone fantastic. How are you doing? Doing great. I appreciate you coming on our platform. Uh, as a founder, I know you're busy. This is the 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 Q, Q4, so there's a lot going on. Everybody's got a ton of stuff on their plate. So it, it, it really is incredible for you to be able to spend a little bit of time with us and showcase your business. Uh, so the very first question, you know, I want to know, our viewers want to know, our listeners want to know, before we dive into the business of Inside Voices, is, is tell us a little bit about uh, Echo uh, leading up to you taking on the hat and, and wanting to, to to be a founder, a CEO of a company? Yeah, so, you know, as you can tell from my accent, I'm from London. Um, and I graduated with a degree in mathematics, went straight into finance, uh, real estate finance to be exact. And I was at Ernst & Young, you know, big four accounting firm. I was making good money. Uh, they moved me from London to New York and... Even though I didn't see that much representation in leadership that looked like me, I still saw a path to the top. I still saw a route to success. I was ambitious. I worked hard. I was a top performer. Um, I liked my life. didn't love my job. Um, and then it became clear to me that the firm wasn't making partners at the same rate. Um, I actually met and worked with my first and only black partner while I was there. And I saw how far ahead he stood than the other partners. He was a giant among boys and he was not recognized for it. And I realized that for me, making partner there was actually not going to be about how much I stood out. And it was actually just about staying long enough to be promoted, like just withstanding the storm and being in the right place at the right time. And I wasn't really interested in becoming a partner um, and still not feeling valued and working with people who I didn't think were the top of their field. And so I left and I joined um, another firm where I felt I could have more contact with the culture, where I felt I could have more impact on the direction of the organization because it was smaller. It aligned more closely with my values. It was an ESG-focused fund. Um, and they had representation in leadership. You know, they said the right things. Sadly, you know, two years later, I was leaving having filed a racial discrimination complaint against my manager and had the company turn against me. And it was in the conversations that followed that where I spoke to other coworkers who told me about their stories. They told me about people who'd left before me who'd had very similar experiences. And I realized that the reputation of the firm was just a lie. Um, that that was kind of known internally and that they had no intention to change because they could keep bringing in people like me who didn't have access to the truth. Um, and leaving, knowing that they were probably going to be able to perpetuate that cycle again afterwards, that just didn't work for me. 
Um, so I built Inside Voices so that we had a way to share the truth with each other and protect each other from environments that are just not set up to serve us. Right, that's incredible, Echo. Um, you, you laying out that whole story there for us, you know, starting from you being a, a math major. I'm a fellow math major myself. And so it's always good, you know, good to connect on, on that note. But then, you know, it sounds like you put your all into your career path. And then you notice some things, you notice some of these uh, kind of underlying, you know, behaviors that we see in a lot of businesses. And, you know, oftentimes you, you hit on it like it goes kind of uh, it, untold to the next person who's going to come in and they come in unaware. So t talk mm -hmm. a little bit about, you know, like as you have had conversations with people, why? Do you feel like now is the time to have a platform like this? We know some of the other platforms that are out there, the glass doors or some other ones out there. Like what, like, like why specifically a platform for people uh, that look like me and you people of color to go to, to really kind of get the real deal on the companies that are out there? Yeah. A multi-layered question. And a great question. Like why now? I mean, listen, it's just it's just a fact, a fact that you know and I know that after 2020, you can't put that back in the box. That energy um, that came from particularly, you know, from, from black from black people around the fact that we had waited for change and were you know expecting more and we're just not getting it. Um, you know that energy needed a place, still needs a place to live and thrive. Um, and to be housed. And for a while, we were placated by promises made by companies um, about the efforts they were going to make in diversity, equity, and inclusion, the anti-racism agenda, the money they were going to donate to all these causes. And immediately it became clear, because we've been through this cycle before, it immediately became clear that some of those uh, promises were not going to be kept and that we needed a way to hold them accountable. Now, I'm a firm believer um, that companies... Um, you know, we like to talk about companies as if they're like, you know, these uh, mythical creatures. Um, but in reality, they're made up of people just like you and me. And, you know, when you talk to any DEI consultant, they'll tell you the majority of their business came from internal pressure, where people inside the company decided that they needed to push the company to reflect their values and reflect what they wanted more. So I see and I saw grassroots support for us working together to protect ourselves from poor environments, to vote with our feet, to punish companies that mistreated us and to celebrate companies that did more. Um, and I wanted to build a systemic way to do that, to respond to the systemic problem that we had of discrimination, uh, particularly in work, um, which is obviously has a huge impact on uh, redistribution of wealth. Now, why not Glassdoor? Well, I mean, Glassdoor rolled out diversity ratings that summer or later that year after George Floyd, um, which, you know, embarrassingly slow. And all they did was add a five-star rating for diversity. Um, so that covers all different types of diversity. And we know that a company can be good at gender diversity, for example, and be terrible when it comes to race or disability uh, or any other category. Um, so I felt like we needed a specific solution. We needed a space that felt safe. We needed somewhere where we were asking the questions that actually mattered. You know, just rating diversity out of five means absolutely nothing to me. I want to understand when I get there, how will I be treated? Will I be paid in line with my peers? Will I be, will my performance be effectively, um, appropriately evaluated? 
will I be promoted at the right rate? Are there people that look like me at the top that can look out for me and protect me if things go wrong? And these are the questions that we're asking on Inside Voices because we actually want to get to the real answer, which is like, should I go and work there? Is this place going to be safe for me? And even if you say I should go and work there, should I go and work there and expect to stay? Should I work there for a year and a half just for the paycheck? You know, tell me what this place really is so that I can make the right decision for my career. Yeah, I love that. And and I think you hit on something there. Um, I've seen in the past, even going through my career, you know, where there's those instances where there's something that's not quite right. But yet when I go to a system like a one to five star and it's just like a generic, I find myself saying, well, I work with some really great people, but the company did you wrong. So, hey, I, I may rate them a four or five star. And it's like, no, like face off of that, that, that situation that you were in that kind of forced you to move. You should give them a true rating. But for some reason, it's really hard for people when they see just like you said, just a generic question of, you know, how does this company do based off of X? You know, like and it's mm -hmm. one to five, like. It seems so it, it seems like it, it's making the conversation too simple, too black and white. Right. And there's color in between there that needs to be painted. And that feedback that people end up giving sometimes uh, that is just that can be like super duper helpful for somebody who's looking, you know, for that next opportunity and really trying to find a, a, a true fit. One hundred percent. And really what we were trying to do was replicate the experience that a lot of us have already had of seeing a company that we were considering applying for or were already in the process of being hired for and wanting to get that validation from someone who looked like us who understood our experience as to how much race was going to impact my experience at that company. You know, trying to find someone, speaking to people who've looked at someone on LinkedIn or had a friend of a friend call and say, hey, can you talk me through what it was like to work there? Um, that is something that we've been doing for decades because we've already known that we needed to have that information. This is really just trying to formalize that. And when you had those conversations, you didn't call that person and say, hey, can you rate the company you worked for out of five? Now you asked lots of questions. You wanted to know all the different details and figure and you tried to figure out, well, how much of what they said is gonna to apply to me? And if that happened to me, would I be accepting of that situation or would I have to leave? So mm -hmm. we're really trying to like replicate that real conversation so you can get that like rich contextual information about the situation to make a decision. I love that echo. And so um, you, you've mentioned the name a couple of times, Inside Voices. When I think of Inside Voices, for some reason, I think of like my, uh, like I go back to like my grandmother and then like me and my little cousins were inside and we're like excited about a cartoon or something and we're kind of loud and she's like inside voices please like tell us a mm -hmm. little bit about like what that name means like the branding behind it because i i, I think there's some, some 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 cool meaning that and, and and story behind what you put behind the the, the the look and feel of inside voices yeah yeah it had a few meanings like we really wanted to replicate that feeling of getting almost insider information um, on a company, um, the kind of conversations that you can have with someone and the information you can get from someone that has been in an organization for years, they often don't even realize how deep and rich the information they have on that organization is. They start telling you things. You're like, wait, wait, wait I don't even understand. Where where did you start from? Let's roll it all the way back. Um, so like really just trying to capture that inside element and then also that safe space whisper network element of 
Use your inside voice. Let's share this information with each other. We don't, we're not here to be screaming this from the rooftops, right? We know that if spaces get filled with certain people, they're not always safe anymore. This is an opportunity for us to share information. And I mean, you know, to be frank, there's still work for us to do in improving the way that people write reviews to help make sure that that information does convey as much of the context and truth um, and credibility that the writer has um, and really allows you to paint a broader picture. Uh, but we're, we have some plans in the works for that. Yeah, I love that. I love, uh, I love the forward focus. Um, so I want to switch things a little bit, put on your, talk about you, you wearing the founder hat a little bit. You know, you yeah. talked about your background. I'm curious, like, what from your background have you taken into this experience as a founder that you relied upon, like, some of those strengths um, that, you know, like, it, it, it's putting you in a good position to run this business moving forward? Yeah, so, I mean, the first thing is, you know, my job for a lot of the time that I was at EY was going to businesses and speaking to pretty much everyone within certain departments finding the common threads, um, finding a way to connect with people who weren't necessarily ready to give you the information that you needed, and then um, distilling it down. And a lot of founder life, particularly for startups, is speaking to different people, understanding the common threads. Like I'm speaking to users and trying to identify what's the commonality between their experiences? What is the thing that's tying these things together? Sometimes people tell you they want something, but they actually don't want that. They think they want that, or they actually wanted something else which would solve their problem. So what what is the question behind the question? What are they really saying? Um, and then I think for me, one of the others is attention to detail. Um, one of my main roles used to be scanning documents, trying to identify errors. Um, and luckily I'm now at a point where I can pick something up and see the issues with it immediately. Um, and that's necessary because we have to move pretty fast. Um, most of the people that I'm working with have not done the exact things that you're asking them to do at any moment before. So there's always going to be mistakes, being cognizant of that, understanding that human beings are fallible. That's why we do, that's why we check work, um, but being able to move fast as a result. Um, I'm very happy with my attention to detail. It's helped me to progress um, and help to keep inside voices at the, the level that I want it. I love that. And then on the flip side, you know, what's what's an area where, you know, as a founder, you wear so many different hats, you're responsible at the end of the day for it all, every aspect of it. So I'm curious, like, mm -hmm. what's an area where you you've had to spend a little bit more time maybe because you haven't had that experience or, you know, that's you, you just know, like, here's an area I want to make sure I, I, I strengthen the business in, and, and you may need some help or you just want to spend more time. And so tell us a little bit about one of those areas. Uh, of the many hats that you wear as a founder? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, for me, I think one of the most challenging uh, is approaching and understanding that you have to become a salesperson. Um, I didn't have any previous experience in sales. And when you don't, you know, the learning curve is steep. Sales is hard to learn. Um, you learn by failing mainly. So you have to accept a lot of failure, which for an overachiever is hard to accept early on. Um, and there are differences in the way that you approach a conversation when you're trying to sell someone versus when you're just trying to have a conversation, you're just trying to inform someone or you're trying to win them over to your side, but there's nothing, there's no personal gain. It doesn't feel like there's an extraction of value. Um, so definitely having to adjust my mindset to accept that, you know, um, conversation, you know, live in awkwardness, 
uh, be prepared to negotiate, accept that, you know, if someone buys, they're actually, it's a win-win um, and you're not like squeezing things out of them. You're not tricking them by making them buy, um, realizing that emotion is a large part of selling. So like just laying out the facts isn't necessarily going to win everyone over. Sometimes you have to make it real for them. You have to put, get into their perspective, understand that even when you're selling to a business, you're actually selling to an individual. So let's talk about the wins and losses for that person within their role, not just, you know, oh, your company can do this, but you will look like the hero because this happened. Um, that was definitely something that, and still something that I'm working on. Um, I find it to be extremely interesting. It can suck up all of your time um, and drag you away um, because there's just so much to learn and it's obviously extremely high stakes. Um, and on, on that note, I would say the other thing that I had to learn was... Um, time management. You know, I came from a job that I've been doing for a long time. I knew exactly how to do it. We knew exactly when we had to do it. It existed for decades. There were structures and predetermined deadlines. No one ever needed to ask what they needed to be doing at any time. Everyone knew. And all of a sudden, boom, I set the deadline. I decide how long things take, when they're going to go out, what I'm going to be doing at any moment. You know, do I need to be on calls next week or do I need to be building? Do I need to be tinkering with this person? Is it time to recruit or is it time to uh, do marketing? Um, and that is definitely a new skill set. Yeah, that, those are two. Uh, those are two gems there, Echo. I appreciate you sharing those. And, you know, as you were talking, uh, the, you were, you're giving me perfect segues here. But one of the words that popped in my head was the word no. So talk mm. a little bit around how you as a from a sales perspective, like when you hear no from a prospective client or just somebody you're talking to about the business, what do you go through? Like what, what what's your mindset like, you know, when you hear somebody say no in a conversation where I'm assuming a lot of times you're looking for that yes throughout the day? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, Um Personally, I actually find no to be extremely helpful um, because you will actually find, I mean, I'm sure you know this, but I often find that people don't want to give you a no. They, even if it is no, right, the answer is that you're not going to get it. They don't want to deliver that message um, because they're afraid of seeming rude or offending you or hurting your feelings. Whereas actually the information you can get from someone who's given you a no is so helpful, right? This is you know, when you're in a startup, you're doing something essentially that no one's done before. This is a new product. How do we make it better? What actually resonates with people? I can't just build for what I personally want. I have to build for what appeals to a larger group of people that are not monolithic. So where can I identify things that, oh, if I introduce this, this would appeal to these people. It's really hard to get that information without butting up against things that people don't like. And so you actually need to be in conversations where people are telling you, like, no, I don't like that. No, I don't want to do this and then getting the feedback about why. Now, one thing I absolutely detest is hearing no without feedback. Um, mm -hmm. I just find that to be extremely unkind. You know, Brene Brown talks about, you gotta be clear to be kind, and I believe that 100%. Like, if you're gonna tell me no, that's fine. I'm not gonna try and change your mind. I understand you have your reasons, but please do me the service of being honest about your reasons. Like, help me understand what went wrong, what went right, so that I can be better for the future. If you just give me a no and then you give me some fake, warm, oh, maybe next year answer and you don't tell me the truth, then you're wasting my time. Now, now all the time I've spent with you has been a waste. I've learned nothing from it. And as a result, you're actually costing me. So that's not a favor at all. 
Ooh, echo. That is a, a mic drop moment. So, wow, I know what a reason. I had, like, you were talking there, like, I don't know why, but I was trying to, like, make sure that stays within my memory bank uh, <laughs> because that one is powerful. Uh, that's a powerful way of thinking, like you said. Um, and so on the flip side of that, you mentioned time management. Uh, as a founder, I know your schedule is probably disgusting. Most founders mm -hmm. I come across, the schedule is like insane, managing personal and business. So I'm curious, like, how do you determine, like, how do you go about determining what gets on your calendar and what you have to say no to, staying with that no, that 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 word of no? Like, talk 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 a little bit about that. Yeah, I'll be candid and say that I don't think I figured that one out. Um, I think I go through boom and bust cycles. There are times when I'm extremely efficient with my calendar and I know exactly who to say no to and who not to. And then there are times where maybe we haven't had any wins in a while um, and it's seemed a little bit murky and I'm not quite certain where the next bit of success is going to come from. And so I get a little bit looser and I say yes to more things. And then usually by the time those things come around, I wish I'd said no. Um, um. So I've actually been trying to get better with that. Um, I'm working with a coach who had me sit down the other day and look at my calendar for the next three weeks. Um, and we had to slice a bunch of stuff out because I was stressed and over, not even overworked, but overwhelmed because there was so much context switching and so many things were interrupting what I considered to be the most important short-term goal. And it had actually, it had actually gotten my calendar to a point where none of it was serving what was the thing that I needed to be doing in the next two weeks. Um, and I couldn't carve out time to do that thing. And he just said, okay, well, let's look at the calendar and decide, you know, is this going to make my business successful? Um, what are the chances of success? What's the likelihood and what's the impact? And if we're not hitting above a certain level, some of these have to go. And then I just had to send those people emails and say, hey, you know, I know that we agreed to have this call. Let's push this into the new year and see if we can find time for it then. But right now I need to be focusing on X, Y, Z. And people remind me, you know, as much as we need to be speaking and interacting and talking and, you know, we like socializing within and networking, even within a professional context, people hate Zoom calls, right? Mm -hmm. So you message someone and say like, hey, we're not going to do that call anymore. Part of them is disappointed, but part of them is also thrilled. Um, so just accept that clearing your calendar and readjusting um, and making up for the fact that, yeah, at that time I did believe it, but now I understand that that was a mistake. I'm trying to get better at that and trying to make the right decision in the moment more. Oh, that man, that's, I appreciate your, your honesty around you still figuring that out. Um, and like you said, the, the zoom call, uh, I think a lot of us are at a point now where we wish it would kind of go away and give us a little bit of a mm -hmm. break. And I think uh, sure. like just throughout the last two, three years, like we spent so much time having conversations remotely that I think there is going to be is going to probably feel like a seismic shift in the coming years where people just being like, how do we get in person? Like, yeah. How do we get more in person <laughs> contact? Um, mm -hmm. I know you've had some speaking engagements this year. I've had some limited ones as well and i could just tell you like the energy like just being in the room with folks mm -hmm. uh after not doing it for a while like it was kind of like intoxicating i was like i need to have more of this right yeah. and so i i like you touching on that 
I think it I think stuff comes in waves. But to your point, I think now we're, we're, we're headed towards a wave. I think it's a good thing. We're in person having dialogue with people, breaking bread. I know that's an mm-hmm. old school term, but that I, I, I think people will see a lot of value in those interactions moving forward. When we're in person, we're going to appreciate it so much more. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we are having more interactions now because of Zoom. You know, we're speaking to people on the other side of the country um, who we wouldn't necessarily get to be in person with. But those in-person interactions are so sticky. You know, I had a conversation with a guy two weeks ago um, who I'd spoken to on the phone a couple of times and he was not looming as a big character in my mind. You know, it wasn't a big part of the plan. Then we sat down and we had dinner together. And now I'm at least once a day, I'm thinking about this thing that I owe him or the conversation that we have because all of a sudden in person, there's all this, uh, I don't even know what it is, the energy of two people bouncing off each other, maybe chemistry mm-hmm. um, is the right word. And it's nah, completely different. There definitely is something there. So we've touched on a lot. Um, one, one quick thing, though, you mentioned having a coach. I'm curious, is that like something new that you've implemented since being a founder or has that always been a part of your routine? in terms of personal development, career development? Definitely new for me. Um, in the first six weeks after I went full-time, I was just drowning. Had absolutely no idea what I was doing. My calendar was a mess. Every day I would wake up and go back to sleep feeling like I'd achieved nothing um, while working frantically the entire day. Um, and a friend of mine was getting certified as a coach and she said that she needed someone to work with to fulfill some requirements for the qualification. Do I want to do some sessions with her? I was like, listen, it's free. So yes, and I'm doing this for you as a favor, but you know, maybe this is going to work out for me, but I don't believe it will. And transformed my working life. You know, I managed to take hold of my calendar. I came to understand how I work best and how I don't. I now have more grace for myself. Um, I think if I continued along that path, I would have burned out in less than six months. Um, and here we are over 18 months later. You know, I think working with a coach has been extremely impactful um, and something that I would recommend to everyone. Now, I didn't stay working with her the entire time. And the coach that I'm talking about is actually a new person that I've just started working with. Um, so I do think it also is about going through phases. You know, I don't want to be reliant on any individual to be able to achieve. And it's not necessarily um, financially viable for everyone. But a huge part of, um, I, I used the skills that I got, <clears throat> excuse me, I used the skills that I took from that relationship, that even short stint of sessions. I use those skills every day, every single day. Yeah, that's powerful. You said one thing there, uh, grace for myself. Um, that mm. uh, I think that's so important moving forward. And I appreciate you. Again, that's a candid moment, you being, you being vulnerable being open, uh, having grace for yourself is uh, that that is a blank check type of statement to be able to say. And when you get to that point, uh, the feeling I can only imagine that you have right now saying that you give yourself grace, uh, that's got to be powerful. So I appreciate you sharing that on our platform. Uh, one, one last thing I wanted to touch on, uh, not last, but the next thing I wanted to touch on is around um, Inside Voices, right, you, you specify there's a really big focus on getting the feedback from people who are in the jobs day to day so that, you know, people who are coming in, you know, perspective or, or not can ha- ha- have a lay of the land, understand what goes on and the dynamics within a company. 
I'm curious, usually these types of um, products are like two-sided and there's a company component as well. I'm curious, are you thinking about this as a two-sided marketplace and how do the employers uh, factor into this in terms of taking some of that feedback and, and you know, and in an ideal world, wanting to improve their business? Like, can you talk a little bit about about, about the, the, the employer piece in this Inside Voices uh, product? Yeah, 100%. Another great question. Um, so, you know, when we launched, there were conversations, people even suggested to me that I should bring employers on board from day one. And for me, that was just a non-starter. Um, without being able to establish ourselves as a brand that cared about the employee, because that was extremely important, right? We're asking people to trust us, often with stories that they'd never shared with anybody. Um, so without being able to establish ourselves as that first, I didn't think it was appropriate to start bringing on voices that are probably better at talking about this, have a language for how they um, coat the way that they've behaved. Just felt, you know, uh, incorrectly aligned. Now, now that we have traction, now that we have people writing reviews and people understand who we are, what we stand for, can we introduce employers to a certain extent? Yes. Now, I don't think, and you know, this is a startup, so you never know what the future holds. But right now, for me, that doesn't include allowing companies to respond to reviews. Um, I see that as a part of maybe a glass door that doesn't necessarily serve the employee um, and actually could re-traumatize employees that have been through particularly difficult situations. Um, one of the things that if you look to you know these two-sided employee-employer review marketplaces, as a company, we will always sit at the intersection of their two interests. And often those interests, you know, they're not aligned. You know, the employers probably want less visibility and the employees want more transparency. Um, so at the moment, we don't have employers on the platform, but we are introducing um, the ability for employers to claim their company profile for free. Now, that claiming is about being able to take the communications that they have elsewhere around their diversity initiatives, their diversity goals, their diversity results, hopefully, and post those on the platform, on their company profile, so that they can show who they really are. Uh, so I think it'll be really interesting to have all those diversity statements in the same place. So companies that didn't really put any effort in can see how similar theirs are to everybody else's. Um, but that is an opportunity where we can give, we're going to give companies an opportunity to reflect who they are on the platform. Um, now, if they want insights about what's being said about the company, they can see what's there um, publicly, but we're not giving them insight into what's being said um, behind the scenes. We're not giving them further details into the analytics. What we have built is an internal version of the platform for companies to use to get even better level data from their own current employees. Because what we've really done is we are canvassing your employees and putting that information out there, well, we can allow you to get that information internally and you don't even have to share it, but you can use it to improve the experience that they're having. So you don't have to wait until they go and post on Inside Voices or they go post on Glassdoor. Um, companies struggle right now to get honest feedback about the most important elements of what impacts the experience for employees, particularly underrepresented employees. They do not know how to ask the questions. They can't get the employees to believe that they're not going to punish them if they identify themselves. And so they need an environment that's really anonymous, that gives them a lot of guidance around the questions to ask, that lets them get iterative feedback so they can keep working and improving 
um, so that they can actually build inclusive workplaces that actually reflect not just what you know what we're told an inclusive workplace should be, but what the employees in that organization want the workforce to be, want the environment to be. Um, and so we built that because we do hear from employers, oh, I wish I had access to these insights. I'm like, well, I'm not going to betray these people's confidence and send it to you, but I can help you get it for yourself. Yeah. Now, I, li- I like that approach. Um, and like you said, the trust of the employee to provide that feedback in this case, that's something that a lot of companies are missing. Right. And so, like, mm-hmm. I don't even if, even if your employer sends out an anonymous survey, an anonymous survey, like a lot mm-hmm. of times there's still that skepticism that comes from the employee. So I could definitely see the value in partnering again with inside voices and you can kind of help them, like you said, understand what their employees are saying and what they can do to make some, some, some significant changes if they really mm-hmm. want to. I, 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 right. I love the way that you position that. So, you know, there's a question, there's a concept that we came up with um, around world domination and so I, I asked my founder guest this, what does world domination look like for in, inside voices in this example? You could give us, you know, three, three year out, five year out. But what is that like? What do you want this to be uh, when it's fully matured in your eyes? Wow, what a fantastic question. For me, I really want us to I want Inside Voices to be a category-defining business that demonstrates that you can do well while doing good, that diversity pays, that you can take the energy and the motivation, the momentum of the grassroots experience, the fact that people want companies to be doing better. You can channel it and you can get revenue from it. You can change businesses as a result. We can actually get progress and we can make money and we can grow and be large and finally get results from the $8 billion a year diversity industry um, and have the kind of large household name business that is required to have an impact on the future of this country. Um, I think people often underestimate how far the will of the people is from the actions of our governments and you know the things that we have to experience on a day-to-day basis. We actually have very little control. The only way that we can get that control is by consolidating behind um, symbols and myths um, that can channel that and work on our behalf. Um, and I see Inside Voices as a perfect way to do that because we already want this. There are already millions of us trying to squeeze out ways to do this in individual corners of the country, in individual corners of the globe. Um, and we're trying, I'm trying to build a systemic solution that can spread, be scalable, um, and then have the required power, uh, the necessary power to impact other areas of the workplace and other areas of our lives. I love that. That's a that's world domination, like you said. Like there's, 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 there's an incredible population already asking for a product like this. It's surprising that that it hasn't been created yet. But I appreciate you, mm-hmm. Echo. You know, putting the time and the energy in. Let folks know, like in terms of how they can engage with the brand. I know you're in you're in a, a beta mode now, but you're still getting feedback. You're growing the platform. Tell folks how they can mm-hmm. interact with the brand. 
and uh, you know, just stay in tune to, to to how you're growing this company. Yeah. So first of all, you know, first thing I'd love everybody to do: go to www.insidevoices.io, write a review. Um, if you want to follow us, um, hit us on. We're on TikTok. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Um, at insidevoices.io, at insidevoices underscore io on Twitter, I think. Um, and if you are a company that you think could do a better job of building a robust DEI policy, understanding what its employees of color and its underrepresented employees actually want, go to our website, hit the four employers page, get in touch. We, it's time to actually put energy behind all these hopes and dreams about a company's doing better. It's time to start holding companies accountable for the fact that they made promises two years ago. Um, and a lot of them are already starting to have already reneged on those promises very quietly. Let's make some noise. Um, let's let our voices be heard. Let's amplify ours and each other's voices and get the get the word out there that that energy from 2020 is not coming away. Um, so get on the website, write a review. And if you have strong feelings about anything you see on the website, anything you see in our social media, hit us up. Hello at InsideVoices.io. I like to hear from people. I like criticism about product. I like criticism about marketing. Anything you see that you don't like, you think is not representing us properly, that we could be doing better, that would allow us to be more successful whenever you, you think you have an opportunity, whatever it is, send it to us. We're all ears. Appreciate that, Echo. Uh, website, social media, we'll make sure that we put that um, in, the, in, in the show notes for sure. Uh, but again, Echo is asking for that feedback and we got a great opportunity to give it to you. Um, again, pre thank you so much for being on the platform, sharing your story, leading up to you starting Inside Voices. And now you're wearing that founder hat proudly, that founder crown. I'm um, really excited for you to see how this platform grows. You got plenty of plenty of potential, plenty of runway, different ways that you're thinking about uh, growing the business. So excited to see that. Lastly, I want to pass it to you one last time. What do you want to leave our listeners with that 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 lasting note, that lasting comment? You know, as folks, you know, uh, take you know, what do you want folks to take away from this conversation, uh, this great conversation that we've had uh, headed into closing out the year strong and then thinking about, you know, how we how we uh, complete those goals for world domination? Uh, I would say, listen, I, I know you're tired. Like I know it's been a, a tough year. It's been a tough few years. Um, you have your own personal concerns. You're fighting your own battles. Um, but change is not going to come unless we push for it. So make your voice heard internally. Take the chance. Do the little, little bit of extra work. Um, you know, be aware of your own tolerance. Be aware of your own threshold. But but push as hard as you can. Um, this is not going to happen without us. And every single day, one of us falls by the wayside as a result of corporate misbehavior, misconduct, um, and companies just failing to live up to what we've asked of them. Um, the only people that can hold them accountable is us. Thanks for that echo. Perfect mic drop moment. Thanks for all the listeners tuning in to another great episode of the Beyond Normal podcast. Thank you.